Hey guys, what's up? Week 157 here, and I think it'll be a little shorter than usual. Um, uh, I would have usually normally like five or six more reviews, but it's a little shorter week because I guessed it on the 22 Shots of Boots and Horror, and so I basically had a decent amount of prep on that. That's a podcast. Um, it should be up shortly. We covered the I Spit on Your Grave franchise, the original from 1978, the unauthorized sequel, Savage Vengeance, and then we did the three remakes, and finally I Spit on Your Grave, Deja Vu. So if you're interested in that it was me moods and jp it'll be up shortly it's a, it's a long episode i think we did a pretty good job myself so if you're interested in that check it out um I, you know I, if you're into podcasts like i am i think that um it's one of the better podcasts out there and i'm not just saying that because i was involved with some episodes i actually really like it and also i wanted to point out a correction um, I was saying that The Borrower is not 1991. For some reason, I really didn't think it was, and there's a bunch of mixed-up dates, but Internet Movie Database says The Borrower from John McNaughting is 1991, um, and I have seen that one, so I can't wait to rewatch it. It's been a long time, obviously, the director of Henry. So uh, let's hop into the reviews. The first one is from Severn Films, and this is a long title, so bear with me. It's Blood and Flesh, The Real Life and uh, a Ghastly Death of Al Adamson. And this I had heard about for a while. It is a documentary following the career, you know, the life and death of Al Adamson. Al Adamson was kind of a prolific, shellac kind of director. I, I maybe would compare him to somebody like, not necessarily Andy Milligan or a, a Herschel Gordon-Lewis, but I definitely would say in a similar class as those. Um, it, this movie basically covers his, his career start and and uh, how he made his movies, all his movies, all the people that are involved in his movies that are still alive, from Bud Cardos Jr., bunch of people, uh, Russ Hamlin. So it, it interviews tons of the people that were in the movie, and, and then it goes into his death, which is a really tragic, weird death, how he died and everything like that. And this documentary really took it a next step above what I expected, because, you know, they would just probably, you think they would have people that were, you know, just involved with his career, talking about the case, but they actually got the police detectives that were involved as well. And they, they add in... In like an old, a newer, the newest interview they could find with Al Adamson talking, and it's all it's edited perfectly. The music score in the documentary is great. It's very intriguing and very heartfelt, and it's just a really great story about an independent filmmaker who had an unfortunate, tragic end. And and you know I'm not too familiar with Al Adamson's movies. I, you know he always had like Blood of Ghastly Horror. These movies always had a bad reputation similar to Annie Milligan or Herschel Gordon-Lewis, and I'm not the biggest fan of Gordon-Lewis, like I always say. Um, I bet you guys are getting sick of me saying that, especially fans of his, and I apologize. But while watching the movie that was on this disc as well, I felt, I never felt watching the documentary that Al Adamson disliked film. I felt like he was a true fan of movies, and I think through the movies that I've seen, or the movie on this disc that I watched so far, I think that it shows through. And I can appreciate that. So, like, there is a, um, although there's cheapness in his movies, they feel like real movies. And they feel like there is an earnest to them, an earnesty to them, even if they are obviously to make money, but they're also to entertain. And they come from somebody who loves film, uh, as far as I could um, understand. But I just thought it was a really interesting and touching documentary. And at times, funny and interesting and sad. Just well done, too. Like I said, the editing was top notch. And the, the way they go into the interviews are great. They have so many people involved. Gary Kent is on here. And uh, a lot of these people are, are up there in age. So it's a perfect time to get these people before we may never, we may never get to hear from them again, especially 
especially on talking about this, you know, so it's, it's kind of like losing a windows that door is closing. It's closing very quickly. And, um, gratefully, I'm grateful that I got to check this one out. Uh, I really liked it. There's some bonus review interviews on here, longer interviews. So yeah, the, um, <laughs> blood and flesh, the real, uh, gas, uh, what life and ghastly death of Al Adamson. It's a great doc. Chilling story proving life can be stranger than fiction. This story reads like the plot of a bad horror movie, except this is real. And the victim, believe it or not, was a horror film director. Macabre death. A UFO docudrama. The mystery. Horror movie director ends up in a horror movie scenario. I just couldn't believe it. Al Adamson. Like, who was this guy? My claim to fame as a director, we put more on the screen for the amount of money spent than anybody else did. Dracula versus Frankenstein. How many ways can you distort the human mind? What other director worked with Colonel Sanders, Charles Manson, bikers, and porn people? A lot of breasts, blood and gore. He was the king of B-movies. Anybody that says that, oh, some of Al Adamson's movies were good, no, they were not. Look at some of your great directors. They have never made 32 films. Obviously, he wasn't a great director. You know, a lot of directors start off making B-movies, but they usually graduate. I try to train them how to direct, how to act, how to edit. He wasn't good at any of them. Inflamed to madness and murder by the wild, provocative young bodies of the Go-Go Girls. Any of you say anything bad about me, you're lying. He cheated me all the time. They had all these people that he hadn't paid because it was experience for them. We represented something he needed, youth, energy, and he was providing something we all needed a lot, opportunity. Human zombies in blood of ghastly horror. His business associate and his family always heard from him at least two or three times a week. We're looking all over the country. Maybe he was kidnapped. We're trying to tell the family everything will be okay, but we don't really know. Are we filming? We are, we are filming, yes. And I'm lying to him. I'm saying, Al, I don't know where you are. If you're sick, if you're dead, if you're whatever, you've got to give me a sign. beyond belief. You can't afford to miss. The shocking scenes you're about to see are not suggested for the weak or immature. Okay, the um, double feature movie that comes with the um, documentary uh, is Female Bunch, The Female Bunch from 1973. And that title right right alone, you're like, oh, this has got to be a take kind of like on The Wild Bunch, which I adore. Um, this movie has Russ Tamblin in it, and it also has Lon Chaney Jr. And uh, this is definitely towards the end of Lon Chaney Jr.'s life. I think he died a couple years later. Um, is this one seventy-two? might be even earlier than that. But Lon Chaney in here looks really rough. At the time, he was a heavy alcoholic, and, and that stems back all the way, you know, even in stuff like Spider baby he was starting to look a little shaky but this one it looks he looks very rough his voice his, his larynx i think were all messed up and but you know what's funny about lon cheney jr and this he plays kind of like a handyman to the female bunch and he kind of is in love with the leader um no matter how drunk or messed up he seems or hurt he seems while working he has a lot of screen presence i i was never like oh he's terrible i don't want to watch him i i felt bad for watching him 
like I, I had sympathy for him while watching him, but you kind of want sympathy for that character anyways, slightly, but I was amazed at his screen presence still. Like, he's the freaking Wolfman, you know, and he played a Frankenstein monster. He's done so many things. Uh, of Mice and Men is one of his brilliant performances, but he's he's always been a great actor, and he kept that screen presence and his likability, even uh, when he was down on his luck in these movies, kind of like these really, you know, exploitation cheapies. But um, basically the movie here is, it's kind of, if I remember, it's structurally kind of told a little different. It opens up with them, uh, a couple people running, and there's a plane after him and a bunch of women on horse chasing him down. And then it kind of goes back and flashbacks the story. And it's apparently this group of women who live in the desert who no men allowed. There's absolutely no men allowed. And like the leader of the gang can't stand men. And uh, all these women kind of from different walks of life are there. They sometimes like to go to the bars and sleep around with all the men and do whatever they want and have these raunchy parties. There's pretty much a, a decent amount of explicit nudity in here. Almost some softcore inserts it seems like. But um, I always, it always cracks me up in these movies. Russ Tamlin's also in it. And he, he uh, is a guy out for revenge for good reason too you, you never really side with most of the female bunch um but it, it's always funny in these movies is the women are always gorgeous and they're just great looking and then the guys are just like average joes and that happens so much in exploitation movies um and they're not even like character actors really not a lot of them some of them are but a lot of them are just like average joes that you're like I, they're not like they don't feel like real actors but or character actors but the women are always gorgeous in these things and um, I, actually, Al Adamson's wife's in this one, and she's like a belly dance. She was like a dancer, so she's dancing in it. So uh, I, I like this more than I should have, to be honest. You know, it, it's probably a, most people like it's objectively a piece of crap, but there's like semi-real filmmaking techniques. You know, there's a plane. There's all sorts of things. It's not the bare minimum, although it's cheap and everything like that. It feels almost like a real movie to me. It feels like a real movie, and, and there's so many of these like um, 60s and 70s exploitation cheapies that are just made with no passion. And um, I don't think this is it. I like it. I enjoyed it. It's the female bunch. There's a extended. Uh, there's another interview with Russ Tamblin on here. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of really liked it. And there's some VHS inserts that they couldn't like add in. That was that's very like you know kind of deleted scenes kind of deal. So um, I thought both of them looked really good for especially female bunch. You know, it's an old movie. It probably comes from beat up prints. I thought it looked pretty good and sounded pretty good. And uh, Blood and Flesh looks great. So yeah, check this out, man. It's good stuff. The female bunch. They dare to do what other women only dream about. They come from all walks of life, all levels of society, banding together to become the female bunch. Independent women. Turning women's lib into a menacing reality. We don't give a damn about society's rules. We have our own laws here. They enforce them with their own savage justice. <laughs> They live free. And love as they please. They ride wild, taking what they want. They punish all who oppose them. The Female Bunch, a story of women who live by their own rules and of men who die by them. Oh, Scott, please, let's give it another chance. You're hurting me, Molly. Who's man enough to have me or not? They swore never again to let a man hurt them. 
Now they use men for pleasure only. They tease men. They torture them. They love them. Cheney Jr. Jennifer Bishop in the female bunch. Break one of their laws and you won't live to regret it. Betray their code and they'll hunt you to the ground. Look out for the female bunch. They're coming soon. Okay, the next one here is from Epic Pictures uh, releasing, and oh boy, I had heard a lot about this when it was going through the festival circuits, and it's super weird title, um, Butt Boy. <laughs> right? Like, Butt Boy, the title, you're just like, what am I getting into? Like, people will be like, is it going to be like the Greasy Strangle or something absolutely ridiculous like that? So I wasn't really sure what I put this in, and I have to, uh, I'm really happy to to say it's, most for the most part, played straight. Like, I... I and it really is the story of someone, this is going to be really weird. He kind of seems like he's bored with his life. He, he's just been married. He has a young child. And uh, he's very bored with his life, his work. And he goes to get a prostate exam. And uh, it, it's a trigger what happens. And it's played like a serial killer movie, like a serial killer's awakening. And he has a trigger and he can't stop doing what he does. And uh, the prostate exam, when something gets shoved up his rectum, Boom, it triggers something where he all of a sudden has like this, he has he has like a void that he needs filled and that void is in his anus. So pretty soon he starts shoving other things up his anus and before long, one day he's at the park and he takes his chance, um, they're, they're getting bigger and bigger and uh, a child disappears. He um, fast forward nine years and um, there's a police officer, police detective who is joining AA, obviously, you know, for some help. And we have the um, the butt boy, I guess I'll call him in AA and he's a sponsor. So they start talking and everything like that and they're interacting and and it seems like the butt boy is using this AA for his, um, you know, addiction, his killer addiction where he had, must shove things up his rectum. But what happens here is uh, the police detective, you know, uh, something's triggered in Butt Boy and he starts his old kind of antics again. The police detective starts to catch on to him and they have a really weird relationship. There's lots of kind of awkward moments, but I have to be honest, uh, there's some good monologues and good performances by the two leads. The detective, when he goes on about, you know, not and he misses his hangover, he misses all that kind of stuff, and he has like kind of a, a sad past. And, um, and a lot of it is like the tropes you would see in another like kind of cop movie or detective movie, but it's so bizarre that it just really works. And the score, it feels very 80s. I like the score a lot. The lighting is very, you know, big bright reds and blues and just has that look to it that I do have... Uh, you know, I, I really like. So this one kind of, uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I thought the acting was really solid from the two leads. I thought it was just really, it got really weird in the third act. And the third act's probably my least 
favorite part of the movie, but it gets so ridiculous at the end. There's an interdimensional thing going on, and I guess uh, to try to explain the nonsensical thing, but you, you kind of have to be in, in, you know, if you're like lost right away, because it is ridiculous. The basis of the movie is so ridiculous that most people be like, I can't, this is dumb. But I noticed a lot of people attacking this on Letterboxd, like, it's just like, yeah, this is, I, and I don't really understand the hate for it. I thought it was pretty entertaining and pretty weird and zany, um, and played fairly straight, and, and sometimes there is funny moments, but just because it's so crazy, um, I like it. I, I would recommend checking this one out, actually, and it's one of the better movies I saw of the year, but I'm also a sucker for serial killer films, so it almost feels like it's definitely playing on those tropes of a serial killer movie, and we've had a lot of those lately, you know, um, Summer 84, and there's a Clothitch Killer, and the House of Jack Belt, so it plays on those kind of detective tropes, too, more, but those ones don't have really have a detective, from my understanding, so I, I don't know. I, I, I liked it quite a bit. It looked good. The surround sound was really excellent coming through the screen and the music comes through boom boom it's it's loud a good surround sound on this mix uh so i, I would recommend checking it out I, I dug it so what do you do detective you look every detective ever oh yes how he's got the, the greasy hair and the uh the earring looks <laughs> good you look good what about you what what do you do Potential tragedy strikes Critica County today as law enforcement have yet to make any headway on the missing child that vanished from Kathman Park this morning. So you're asking me to go off this theory you got about a white married male who happens to be a father living in the suburbs of Critica County, who also happens to be your AA sponsor, has been secretly running around, cramming objects, animals, and children up his ass. Then he somehow digests them, and he does this in sprees, almost in serial killer fashion. Is that about it? Uh-huh. Okay, this next one, I think I'll be fairly quick with it. Um, I, I'm going through the run through 91, but um, there was a sequel that I didn't want to watch from 91 until I had seen the first one, and I can't believe I hadn't seen the first one, and that is Transfers with Tim Thomerson and Helen Hunt and Art LaFleur. I had never seen it. 
Isn't that bad? I know. It's just one of those movies that missed me from Full Moon. Like, I grew up watching Full Moon. I, you know, the Puppet Master movies, Demonic Toys, all that stuff. See, people loved it. Don't know why I didn't watch Trancers. Probably because it looked more like an action movie than anything. And as a kid, I wanted monsters and sci-fi and stuff like that. I did like my action, but that one just for some reason never appealed to me. So I, I put this in, and I've always been, I don't want to be negative, but I, I liked Tim Thomerson, but I feel like he's hot and cold. After this whole week, I'm like, no. Tim Thomerson has won me over 110%, and I love Tim Thomerson. Um, he's in a lot of movies. You know, he's in uh, Armed and... Uh, no, he's in... Um, who, who is Harry Crumb? I believe he's in that one, playing an idiot. Cherry 2000, Doll Man, you know, um, Zone Troopers. He's in a lot of these Empire Picture Full Moon movies, like too, as well. So, um, Trancers. This movie takes place in the future. It, it's got a really kind of crazy plot and a really interesting science fiction plot. And these guys who worked on this one actually worked on um, Zone Troopers, the year after and they used uh, a lot of the same cast they used uh biff maynard and tim thomerson and art lafleur so three of the people in zone troopers are in this one as well so it seemed like they had a nice like kind of core group of people and uh danny bilson directed zone troopers he wrote this one he was one of the writers on this movie if i'm not mistaken and charlie band directed it so basically what happens here is tim thomerson there's these people in the future called trancers and they basically been turned to like mindless creatures that are brain wiped. They're kind of dead inside already and they're being controlled by, I can't remember the guy's name, uh, Whistler. He's like an evil kind of mind controller guy, but there's time travel in the trancers world and uh, Whistler has transferred himself back. The way you have to time travel though, is you have to send yourself back into an ancestor from the past. So you must be in that ancestor's body. So Whistler transferred himself back in the time to try to, you know, screw things up and take out the people that are running the board kind of like a terminator story where you jump back in time and kill the people that are your biggest adversaries you know before they can become them you know their family lineage so um made the same year as terminators and so yeah but um they send it back to kill list where goes back to kill like the leaders of the boards um you know family members so they'll be gone but tim thomerson is sent back he's kind of a renegade cop you know he kind of plays that a lot he's kind of the guy that you know always breaking the rules and everything like that and they show that in the very beginning when he tracks down a trancer in a diner and, and a really crazy scene it looks very awesome very blade runner um so basically he jumps back into la in like 80 or what is something maybe it's san san uh francisco or san bernardino one of those places in california into his like reporter you know ancestor and he's in a relationship with the punk rocker helen hunt which is early early career uh, helen hunt's a punk rocker i don't really buy her being a punk rocker so there's always that weird him jumping in and out of the body somehow he convinces her to help him and they have to stop you know whistler and the transfers that uh, the transfers that he's making and everything like that it's a fun action movie it doesn't ever stop there's some good squibs tim toberson's kind of great and and when you watch him in the interviews he's talking about this i'm not a big sci-fi guy but he's like he's like more of this guy's kind of like you're you're almost your humphrey bogart kind of film noir kind of guy going through the, the situation and i really see that and especially after watching you know um cast a deadly spell from 91 this is 80, 84 but like you feel like that like there's that film noir presence in a lot of these movies and, and characters mixing it with sci-fi so i feel like tim toberson all his movies were like a genre like a war movie or like a action movie mixed with sci-fi everything he is has like a sci-fi tinge to it um even cherry 2000 so i feel like it all his movies have the sci-fi element he almost become like a sci-fi kind of beat cult actor but um this one's really fun and, and really kind of a cool idea and original biff may 
Maynard's really funny in as this homeless guy that is um ex uh, what's his name Ashby. He's an ex baseball player that's kind of down on his luck and everything. He's fun. Um, the whole movie's fun, and it's it's a nice little cool kind of you know it's violent, but it is PG thirteen, so it's a nice little gateway too. Uh, there's some interviews on here with I think there's a little moment with Tim Thomerson and Charlie Ban uh, commentary and stuff like that. So I, I really enjoyed this. I, I like the movie quite a bit, and I, I would revisit it for sure. I'm Jack Death. I'm a trooper in the 23rd century. Jack Death, Angel City PD. May I see your stats? What did I do? Under Section 7 of the Penal Code, the Council authorized me to administer you a transfer suspect examination. You can't give me a TSE without a warrant. I got your warrant right here now. Okay, okay, okay. I don't want any trouble. Hold out your My job is hunting transfers. I got nothing to hide. Finding them. Negative. And singeing them. Look out! <laughs> Of course, sometimes they find me first. Then it's a little more complicated. What do you know of Whisper's location? We monitored a line disruption in Los Angeles, December 1985. Van Zant, Ash and I all had ancestors in the city then. If you think I'm bringing that scum up the line, you got the wrong trooper. Unless you stop Whistler. Everything the council has accomplished for the last 40 years will count for nothing. Okay, let's say I believe this. You're a cop from the future and you're chasing this guy, Piper. Whistler. Why doesn't he just turn you into one of these zombies? Or me? Trancing only works on squids. People with weak minds, easily controlled. Lena, I'm from another time, another world. I don't even know what you people eat for lunch. Okay, I got fried rice, egg rolls, and beef chow mein. Beef? Like from a cow? I thought it was rough in the 23rd century. I didn't know how hot it could get. Jack? How's my tan? It was getting hotter all the time. Jack? I guess I just attract a certain element no matter what century I'm in. Anyway, I gotta run now. I wanna ride with the lady. Over here, Ashby. never even been here before. Trancers. Okay, so now we're going to um, start the run into 91 for this week. And I did all full moon movies because I, I like to keep a, a slight kind of theme going on. And this is Trancers 2. So this one actually came out in 91. It's like five, six years later from the original. And pretty much the whole cast comes back. Charlie Band directs. We have Tim Thomerson. We have Helen Hunt. We have Art LaFleur. We have Biff Maynard coming back. We have um, the little girl who Art LaFleur jumps into. And uh, they're um, kind of their, one of their scientists, people that helps them. But then we add a nice group of baddies in here, which you guys know I love my baddies. We have people, uh, Biff Maynard's also, if I didn't mention him again. We also have, we have, so the baddies are great. We have Whistler's brother. 
um, Dr. Waldo, is it, or Wardo? Wardo, not Waldo. And it's played by the legendary character actor Richard Lynch in his first full moon movie of the year. I don't know which one came out first. But um, love Richard Lynch as an evil scientist. And he's kind of uh, operating this weird um, kind of botany place where he, he's using people that have mental issues, mental illnesses, um, uh, to help him build these greener plants to plant around and help the environment. But what he's really doing is growing um, this plant from the future that has this weird drug in it, and he's mixing this drug and taking over these people and making them as trancers. So yeah, and he, he's his um, kind of main um, goal is to kill the, the kind of leaders of the um, you know the the council again, and he's after Tim Thomerson and Biff Maynard, so all those kind of same people he's going after. Um, yeah. Also, his henchmen include um, Jeffrey Combs, of course. Um, the second, or is it the second uh, full moon movie he's in this year too? So Jeffrey Combs is this like kind of right hand man, and Martine Beswick from a bunch of uh, Hammer movies like One Thousand BC, One Million BC, or whatever it is. She's a couple of those. So it's really nice to see a nice little goon squad in here um after tim tomberson uh biff mater now has turned his like life around he's a billionaire so all of them are are you know kind of living at this mansion and there's some added um kind of uh, confusion and drama in here because tim tomberson had a wife in the uh, trans the first transfers world that had died so it's kind of screwed up, but his wife was sent back before she died to this time now. So he has his wife with him, and Helen Hunt is his new wife, so there's this constant bickering and funny stuff going on. There's a lot of action, there's a lot of kind of side character fun, and it, and there's lots of tons of squibs and people turning into trancers and everything like that, and, and funny moments. It's really entertaining. The end's really cool. Richard Lynch is really kind of weird and has a weird performance. He's carrying a rag around and everything, and I like the concept of them behind some weird kind of like health like uh, save the environment <laughs> kind of corporation but they're actually growing weird drugs to turn people into zombies just batshit kind of stuff like that but Tomberson's good in it he, he plays uh, Jack Death the same as he always did um, good and Helen Hunt I really like in it as well um, just and Art LaFleur it's kind of funny that he keeps having to trans uh, go into like a, the girl of his uh, it's like a teenage girl and they bring the same actors back so we have this little teenage girl smoking cigars acting like Art LaFleur which is really fun. Um, I recommend these. These are good, fun action movies with solid B movie cast. Um, you can't. It's a lot of good character actors. Well, Full Moon was pretty good at this time of getting character actors to fill the fill the acting slots, and I like that. I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Even if there are little cameos, I think this one's well worth watching, and it's very fun. And it might be a slight improvement of the first. Well, they're about the same because the originality of the first was so cool. They're about the same. Like them both quite a bit. So transfers too. My name's Jack Death. I'm a transfer hunter from the 21st century. It's been seven years since I went down the line to old California. Life's been good. I thought I'd singe my last transfer, but nothing lasts forever. Jack! Vacation's over, Jack. Time to get off your butt and go back to work. Listen to me. I need your help. I'm a special agent on a mission from the future. I know just how you feel. You're going to be expelled from the Green World community. Do you know what that means? Help me, please. I'm on a mission. think you are? Stillwell, Alice B. Welcome to old California, Alice. I'm your husband. 
Jack Death. Oh my god, Jack, it is you. The only man I ever had sex with. Wasn't that bad? Get the activists out on the streets. I want fresh blood. she keep butting in on us because i happen to be his wife so am i ladies please lena she's my wife her consciousness is in another body she's a transfer hunter too i've had to handle a lot being married to someone from the future jack but two wives you're in the way lena i want jack death to see his wife become a transfer they've got lena you know the layout well enough to go in after her yeah but it won't be easy can you hear me, Jack Death? It'll be fun watching you burn to death. Trancers 2, starring Tim Thomerson of Near Dark, Helen Hunt from Next of Kin, Megan Ward of Crash and Burn, Richard Lynch of The Sword and the Sorcerer, and Jeffrey Combs from Reanimator. Trancers 2, the return of Jack Death. Jack, the 20th century must be getting to you. You have no idea. Okay, uh, the uh, second Tim Thomerson movie of 1991 from Full Moon is, of course, Dollman. That's right, by Albert Pune. Um, I've, I've covered a couple Albert Pune movies here, but uh, yeah, another full one, a full moon movie. It's got Jackie Early Haley in here. There's some other familiar faces, but those um, Tim Thomerson and, and him pop up as most. But this is a really crazy sci-fi action kind of thing as well. Um, Tim Thomerson is kind of a, a cop from uh, Arturos is the planet he's from, and he's a renegade cop catching a pattern here. He's kind of like, you know, that hard around the edges kind of cop. Um, he, he compared himself in the special features as like a, a man with no name, like uh, Clint Eastwood in the, man, in the Sergio Leone movies. And I could see that. He kind of is quiet, keeps to himself, um, will help, but doesn't, you know, wants to just kind of go about his business, doesn't want thank you, doesn't really like people. Doesn't seem like he likes people. So um, in his in his kind of home uh, planet, there's this really weird opening scene where this uh, this guy takes a bunch of really you know they're like heavy set people hostage in this laundromat, and like every three comments is I'll blow these fat people away. And it's like I don't understand why like everybody's fat. Is this like an entire family? I don't. It's just really weird and really bizarre. I don't get it. But there's a lot of fat jokes made in the very opening of the movie. It's just kind of silly and uh, whatnot. But uh, Jack, um, what's his name in this brick? Mardo or something like that. He has this gun that is the most powerful gun. It blasts people into pieces, like it evaporates them. And uh, there's this bad guy. All that's left is a head, and he's on a saucer, and he's kind of his main bad guy from this planet. And he's been blown to pieces by him so many. I want to keep calling Tim Thomerson Jack Death so bad because he's very similar. But he's been blown to pieces, and all that's left is he's a head. So he's on this saucer, anyways. Um, Tim Thomerson's kind of been set up um, by the media and a bunch of people that don't like him in his um, home planet. And this guy with a head has stolen this bomb and is going to use it. He ends up escaping on a ship and ends up kind of going through this dimension or whatever like that. And Tim Thomerson follows him and they end up on earth, of course, but on earth, 
Tim Thomerson isn't the big bad cop that he is on Arturos. He is 13 inches tall. He is doll man. Uh, what is it? The tagline is 13 inches with an attitude. Yeah, that's right. But uh, so basically he ends up in the South Bronx and it is, you know, death. I only call these little cities like this Death Wishville where everybody's a scumbag or a criminal for the most part. And, and no matter what you do, you, you're in trouble. So there's this gang led by Jackie Early Haley and, um, they um having a run-in with the woman that finds uh, Tim Thomerson and her kid and everything like that. So this starts this big gang war. Not even a gang war. They're basically after Dollman, but he has this awesome gun. So he fights this gang off. Luis Contreras is one of the gang members. You'll know him from Extreme Prejudice and a hundred other movies. So basically he starts blasting all these gang members and Jackie Early Haley kind of teams up with the floating head guy and everything like that. But there's this really great moment where they have like a, um, a argument and it's just freaking awesome. Um, Jackie Early Haley's a really weird actor for me. I'm not sure how I feel about him 100%. But um, if you watch him in the special features, he couldn't be further from this character. Like, he's not like this character at all. Like, this character has, like, obviously, like, not very intelligent and feels like he's a bad guy. He's a villain. But, you know, the way he portrays him, there is some nuance to it. And I, I think it's a good performance for a low-budget full moon movie, for sure. Probably probably a little better than they deserve. But um, uh, Tim Thomas, I don't want to say anything about bad about, you know, full moon. But, I mean, like, it's not like Jackie Early Haley came in here and was like, I, I was in Breaking Away. I'm a big huge star. I'm going to be lazy. He wasn't lazy. It's a good performance. And Tim Thomerson is fun. Everybody in here is a pretty solid actor, to be honest. I enjoy it. But of course, he, um, the, the big shootout at the end takes place at this junkyard where I feel like half of Albert Pune's movies are shot. Um, I think Nemesis has some scenes there, but there's lots of squibs going off. And I enjoy the movie. I, I like it. I think it's fun. I think it's cool. I think it has enough action. Although there's some, you know, continuity errors that are pretty rough. Like uh, the, he's in a spaceship and it's like this big to us. And people keep picking it up. And like you'll see a close up of Tim Hammer's like, hey, stop moving it. And he doesn't have his sunglasses on. But then you'll cut back and the doll has sunglasses. It's not moving. I can forgive kind of stuff like that. But you got to have to chuckle to yourself a little bit. But uh, yeah, that's Doll Man, uh, 13 inches with an attitude. Pretty good full moon stuff. Very fun. On the planet Arcturus. He's the toughest cop around. That's a Kruger blast! Most powerful half in the universe! That's right, fat boy. What do you want, asshole? Nothing. You're just gonna walk away? He's 13 inches tall. Oh, fuck! That's about the size of it. Shit! Can we keep it? Hold me together. I'm going to war. With who? The fucking doll man. Who else? Dollman, 13 inches with an attitude. Okay, this next one here is a full moon classic to me. Grew up on it. Any kid that likes horror movies, probably at my age, in 91, it was, I was five years old, would be obsessed with Puppet Master. And I'm going to talk about Puppet Master Part 3 on here. Uh, yeah, directed by David Dakota, um, and maybe his finest film, uh, actually. And this play takes place, it's kind of a prequel to the Puppet Master movies. The 
Puppet Master continuity is all messed up. Like, how do you figure out what's what and everything like that? Um, I don't really care about that. But this one to me is um, it's really fun because you know in the other ones like you see a lot of the Nazi stuff on the puppets and you're kind of wondering why, why are they dressed like Nazis? What's going on? Although in the opening, you know, with William Hickey and everything, you know some of the story. But when they elaborate with Puppet Master Three, I, I kind of really like it. And this is the first one where they take the dolls from being evil, uh, you know, tools of evil, into good. And I like that. Uh, Guy Ralph plays Andre Toulon, and it's during the rise of Nazi Germany, of course. And he is a puppet master. He used to be kind of, a, I think, a doctor or something involved with science. And uh, he's, he's putting on these puppet shows with his puppets that actually... Um, you know, they, they're not using strings. So people, you know, can see that. Uh, they know there's something kind of special about these puppets. And one day, um, I think he's a, is he a colonel or a um, corporal? He, he, I don't want to say he's a colonel. That's really high up. He's definitely not a colonel. But he is a, maybe a lieutenant. He's a lieutenant. He's a lieutenant Nazi officer. He's a puppeteer himself. And uh, he notices the strings and, and takes interest in it. Also, he takes interest in the fact that Andre Toulon is uh, mocking Hitler and a puppet and everything like that. But uh, meanwhile, um, Ian Ambercombe, who's in a bunch of movies, and Richard Lynch, who's like an SS major, um, Kraus, Major Kraus, Richard Lynch, of course, in his second um, full moon movie of the year, um, are trying to start this study where they're trying to resurrect um, the dead, kind of like Return of the Living Dead Part 3. They're trying to resurrect the dead and use them on the front line against the Russians. Uh, so, you know, because they want these basically to be a human shield. But they cannot perfect the serum. They cannot make it work because nothing seems to work. And through this um, understanding, they think that um, through Andre Toulon's magic with the puppets, that there's a secret to um, helping the Third Reich um, win the war. So Andrew Toulon, Andre Toulon becomes a huge, um, you know, focal point on these guys. His wife is uh, um, uh, Elena Douglas, and you know she's a Superman movie. I, I'm not too familiar with Superman movies, but I know she. I think she plays one of the baddies that's um, with Terrence Stamp, if I'm not mistaken. In part two, is it? But. Um, yeah, so she's in here as well. So basically, um, this movie is really, they go after Andre Toulon, and he uses the puppets to fight the Nazis. I, I really like this one. This is the first appearance of Six Shooter. Six Shooter is one of my favorite puppets. He's the cowboy with six arms, and he has six arms and six guns with six bullets apiece. Um, six, six, six on Six Shooter. But uh, I love Six Shooter, man. He's really cool, really awesome. Um, this is also, you see the creation of Leech Woman, which is also really cool. You see the creation of Blade, which is awesome. Um, so you see, like, the creation of two of the original puppets, and uh, you see a new puppet. Unfortunately, Torch isn't in it because he was introduced in two in that, that timeline that's after. But uh, they have all the good puppets in here except Torch. Um, Jester, Pinhead, Tunneler, Leechwoman, uh, Six Shooter, Blade, um, they're all in here or make an appearance. Um, and also, they kind of show some details about why, you know, you need more than just the serum. You need to add something in there. You need to add a soul. So there's this magic and science mixed that makes the puppets move. And, and it's so weird and kind of really cool. Although it is ridiculous, I like it. I do. And I also like the backdrop that it's Nazi Germany. I also like the backdrop that they're giving, you know, that they're trying to find that extra special thing to uh, boost them because there's always that thing that they said Nazis were always trying to do crazy experiments to win the war. And so it's got a lot of cool things going for it. When the puppets attack, there's some good kills in here. Um, it, it does look cheap, you know. It, it, it's shot in a, 
I mean, they're recreating Nazi Germany on a budget, so it's pretty rough at times. Uh, Richard Lynch is a great bad guy. He's really trashy and awesome, and, and Blade's look is obviously after his. Um, and, and even the end, his end, death, is so it's such poetic justice, to be honest, um, the way they do it and everything like that. But I would really recommend checking out Puppet Master 3. I think it has some of the... It's, it's one of the best of the originals. I, and I think... You know what's funny about these? And Bring Stevens is in here. Is it Bring Stevens or is it Michelle Bauer? I always confuse the two. Um, Jeez, it's Michelle Bauer, I believe, and she's in here, um, you know, having sex with the Nazi um, general. So it's got a lot of cool things going for it. I like it. I think it's enjoyable. I like the puppets, like the effects, and uh, like the creation. And I like that um, Andre Toulon is sympathetic in this one. It's good stuff. And I even like part four and five. I know a lot of people don't, but I think that the first five puppet masters are all good, uh, watchable to good. Um, I know a lot of people might not share my, you know, opinion of it, but not, I've never been bit too big a fan of the other ones after that, except Littlest Reich. But yeah, um, Puppet Master um, 3, probably the finest early Puppet Master movie for sure. The Nazis thought they held the world's strings. But Andre Toulon didn't need wires to make death move. Herr Toulon has developed a method of animating his puppets without string. It's as if they were alive. If Stein is even half right, this could be very important to my work. This is one of the puppets I was telling you about. No! no. Elsa, take what you want, you bastards, and get out of here. That would be you, puppeteer. I'm sure. Put him in the second car. Take him to Gestapo headquarters. And put the toys in with the toy maker. I never knew a man played with dolls before. That too long was a skin joke, custody. We are very close to finding him. Nothing will stop me from seeking you out. And you will cry me mercy. And I will have none. What is this joke? <laughs> Find him. I don't care how many patrols it takes. Find him! best I can do for you now. But you can still revenge yourself. What is the secret? Nell! No mercy. You think I'm afraid of this? You will be afraid. Puppet Master 3. Toulon's Revenge. Okay, the next one here is one I actually covered on the show, and this would be the third time watching it, but it is a 91, and it is Full Moon, and I, I just had to rewatch it. It is Stuart Gordon's Pit and the Pendulum. Man, this movie is a B, is character actor, I was going to say B-movie character actor heaven, but it's just character actor heaven. The cast in here is great. 
We have um, Lance Hendrickson, Jeffrey Combs, Stephen Lee, Mark Magolas, Francis Bay, Oliver Reed. Um, this, it's just a really, really strong cast, to be honest. Tom Tolles is in here, uh, Gordon Regular. And um, the way Gordon mixes in, you know, um, Edgar Allan Poe, the Spanish Inquisition. It, so it feels like, you know, the Pit and the Pendulum story has, you know, the, the, the traps and everything like that. But it also has um, the obvious kind of influences from the torture from those days. But... It goes into like the, um, you know, it feels like Mark of the Devil or Witchfinder General. And it even feels somewhat like Hunchback from Notre Dame with uh, Lance Hendrickson, Torquemado, his Torquemado being like a Frollo like character, to be honest. He really is like a Frollo. Um, so it's got a lot of the elements of that kind of time frame for me of the torture and everything like that. And the sexual repression and the putting that a horrible act of your own, you know, I guess, transgressions and blaming them on someone else for being a witch. But essentially what we have here is um, a couple, a baker and his wife, who are two ac the actors in the movie that I'm not too familiar with. But um, they're, they're a baker and his wife, and uh, they accidentally get caught up on accident in witnessing um, a horrible execution of... It's actually um, Stuart Gordon's wife in here, and it's just, it shows that she was like uh, the uh, wife of someone who was in previous power and everything like that. And you see the takeover early in the movie. But um, it's Carolyn Gordon. Um, so you see her execution and um, a torture of the son. Uh, she she tries to break it up and call for mercy and that brings the attention of Torquemada who brings her Torquemada who brings her into the castle and and almost immediately what well, you can notice um through his psychology and everything like that when she touches and begs for mercy he has some sort of sexual thing towards her and he feels immediately guilty so he blames her she's a witch I've been bewitched because I'm a man of God I can't have these unclean feelings so he sends her into the church of to be you know uh kind of tortured and looked over at to see if she's a witch and uh, she has all the she has all the goons there like jeffrey combs who's like documenting and the other guy i can't think of his name stephen lee is in here and he plays like kind of the guy to get rid of the bodies a goon tom tolls is like the leader of the guards and uh mark magolas tortures the the people and lance hendrickson is at like a hundred in this movie so intense so crazy so just filled with sexual repression and creepiness and he's just nasty, nasty character. But uh, what happens is the husband gets trapped in there and everything like that. And, and they're trying to break out and, and save their souls. And lots of kind of crazy things happen here. Um, and, and like there actually is a cool element that Stuart Gordon introduces real witches in here. Francis Bay character is like a good witch. And I really like that. So like and Francis Bay's got some great lines that I doubt she ever really got to uh, to speak in her career. You know, she's the, the grandmother in Happy Gilmore and a bunch of other movies. You know, I think she's even in Blue Velvet, actually, you know, kind of a Lynch regular. So like it's just she gets to say a lot of lines that I don't think she normally would say like I don't suck kiss the cock of Satan and stuff like that like I don't think she would get to say that in any of the other movies and as Gordon's movies are they're heavily sexual in their nature and stuff like that and they always make comments on like that sexual nature and characters and everything and there's there's lots to say about you know um uh geez the power of corruption of, of um Torquemado of Lance Hendrickson and the sexual repression and all that stuff is just nasty and and his psychology is all screwed up but the way it unfolds the story actually unfolds really good. It's it's a really well written script and incorporates a lot of cool things that a lot of movies. It's like a it's like a mixture of all these things that I would have thought about medieval times and and, and witch hunts and Spanish inquisitions and all that kind of stuff and that, that all that kind of ideas of that like religious sexual repression and stuff and power and impotence all that kind of stuff mixed in there. 
Um, it has some, some decent blood and guts in there. And there's a lot of comedic elements. Like Stuart Gordon always has like a comedic side to his movies. I do feel like that. And like Gomez and, and Combs and the other guy, they're kind of goofy and kind of silly. They're kind of dumb. And Stephen Lee, man, Stephen Lee is a, such an underappreciated guy from Dolls to Ghoulie Street to Robocop 2. Um, he always delivered the goods. I'm going to be honest. Even when he was in like the Moonbeam movies, Stephen Lee was always funny and always did a good job. He, he has good good comic timing. Um, just, just funny. Like when he brought, he's being bribed by the husband. So the husband get in the castle and he's like, I could lose my job. And he's like, I could end up tortured myself. And he puts his hand, he keeps giving him more and more money. I think he does really well with that. Um, just, uh, I really like this one. Tom Tolles is a creep. Tom Tolles has always been a good creep from Henry and, uh, Night of the Dead 1990, um, Devil's Rejects, House of the Corpses. So he's always been one of my kind of favorite character actors to pop up in movies. So he, he plays a creep. There's just a really good cast in here that drives it further and the woman the lead woman in here is excellent she's beautiful she really portrays that you know that innocence that sweet goodness um in someone and and she, it's just really kind of tragic and I, that's what i think attracted torquemada because she was so sweet and innocent and pure and he is not although he wants to be so much um so there's like a lot of good stuff in this one you know i think it's one of gordon's kind of underrated movies i think it's kind of a, kind of a, a little bit of a hidden gem for gordon's filmography i know people like it but i do think it's good i, I think it's it's really good actually you know and uh, there's some special features on here gordon talking um oliver reed's cameo is tremendous in here um so good in it and i love that he's in here because he's been on the other end of torture he's like a cardinal in there but he's been in with the devils and everything which is a fantastic movie one of his finest performances of all time um but his performance in the devils and i love that he's kind of coming back into this movie he's just such an intense dude man he's so great um <laughs> and his accent is really tremendous too i just love him and uh his interactions lance, Hendrick lance hendrickson's great so like that intensity good stuff highly recommended I, I do think that there's some good action set pieces too some sword fighting and and the score is good by i believe it's a richard band score too richard band probably scored almost all the movies that i'm talking about except like one i don't think he scored subspecies um which is next but you know i, I like it i dig it really like this full moon one one of the better ones of the year for sure so um yeah the spanish inquisition a time when religion was fear. There is one faith, and all else is sin. Innocence meant death. <laughs> and love was lust. The master of this madness was Chief Inquisitor Torquemada. Some souls have turned so far from God that pain is the only way to call them back. She was an angel of light. who would tear his world of torture apart. In Christ's name, I thank you. Have mercy. Arrest her. No. Maria is like an angel. Satan was an angel. Take me into the castle. And direct me to the dungeon where they keep the human Jezebian witches. Mankind's darkest age comes evil's ultimate weapon. Look up, razor sharp. The pit 
Okay, uh, we have another one from Full Moon, of course, and this is Subspecies. This is a rewatch as well, and uh, Ted Nikolai did this one. Um, you know, it's weird. He did one in 85, too, and so does Stuart Gordon. It's like I'm the same people still working over and over again, but uh, yeah, Subspecies. This one has Angus Scrim in it, and that's really the only person I'm too familiar with in this movie, and uh, I don't want to be negative, but because I know a lot of people love this one, so I'll be very brief with Subspecies. Um Great um, location, great atmosphere for the low budget, great sets. Um, Radu looks great. Radu is a vampire, his nails and everything like that. But it says, based on an idea by Charlie Band, I'm like, you mean Bram Stoker? Really? Do you mean Bram Stoker? Because I mean, I watched so many Dracula, Vampire, Hammer movies, and, and Universal movies, and all that kind of stuff, and it rel- it's the same story over and over and over again. And, and some species is really no different. It's more focused on a family drama between the vampires than anything else. There's some cool methods for them actually killing the vampires involving rosary beads and I believe like a shotgun shelf, which is crazy. I like that. But essentially what happens is we have a power struggle. Angus Scrim is the king. He's a vampire. They feed off this bloodstone. Radu is a younger brother and he wants the power. They're going to give it to the older brother. So he kind of has a power struggle and takes over. Radu is evil. Radu wants to feed on these women that have just come into town. They're kind of studying the culture of, of Romania. Is it, or do they actually, is it take, I know it's shot in Romania, but is it, is it take place in Transylvania? I can't remember. You know what I mean? Sorry. But uh, they, they're staying at this kind of really cool location um, and everything like that. And like idiots, like privileged American assholes, they're like, hey, we're just going to go in this castle. Nobody's business. Lots of that kind of stuff in here. I really had a hard time caring about any of the characters in the movie or anything, to be honest. I, I don't remember any of them. I don't remember one character's name. I don't remember one thing they really did. Um, like I said, Radu looks good. There's there's cool shots with like the shadow coming in and everything like that. But I just, the characters are so flat and so boring. And the only one that stands out is the one that's rude. Like, their rudeness is your only character trait. It's just too bland for me. And and Angus Scrim's wig looks like he's carved for Masters of the Universe. Find the key, tear this place apart. That's, I'm just like, what are you wearing? Like, and that's not a knock on the movie. That's not a big deal. Because in Pit and the Pendulum, everybody's got fake bad wigs. But um, it's it just when you're when you're not loving something already, you're you're more noticing to point out stupid things like that. But um, Angus Scrim's fairly wasted, to be honest. That's kind of a wasteful way. But um, it's just very typical for me. I don't see much special about it. I know a lot of people really like it, but it's just... And it's, it's an accomplishment, you know, making this on a budget. They did a good job with what they had, but... Script-wise, it's not anything that really is 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 anything special to me. I know the sequels are supposed to be bigger and better, and I hear two's good, really good, and I think I would like it because I I just feel like there's not enough to it. Um, there's a cool aspect that Red Dew will cut off his fingers and they'll turn to little minions, 
I like that idea. I think that's really cool. But this one just doesn't do much for me. I come right down the middle. I think it's. I don't think it's a bad movie at all. I just don't think that it's. It's. It's really entertaining for me. I think it's kind of bland. And I know a lot of people are like, but it's so good in atmosphere. I'm like, there's hundreds of movies that have good atmosphere. Almost all the Hammer movies too. Like all those movies. I mean, maybe not as thick or anything like that. It is an accomplishment for me for me being made so cheap. But all those other Full Moon movies were made cheap too, and I like all of them better. So. In the dark past, humans were their prey, and blood was their life. I'm Rado. Find him before killing begins again. Now in modern day Transylvania, eternal evil has reawakened. <laughs> I'm afraid for you. Species, starring Michael Watson and Angus Scrim of Phantasm. Subspecies, the night has fangs. Okay, the next one from a run through 91. Talk about cheap, right? We got um, freaking Killer Nerd. That's right. And this guy, um, what is his name? I can't think of his name. Starring Toby, Toby Radloff from the American Splendor. And I fortunately have never seen American Splendor. I know people are like, you've never seen American Splendor? That's blasphemy. And it probably is blasphemy. I'm sorry. Sort of. But uh, Tony Radloff, um, is that his name? Toby. Wow, killer nerd. This movie is super cheap. I think it's shot on video. It's got to be shot on video. Minimal coverage. Minimal coverage. Lots of wides. Very rare. Is there a, is there a close-up or anything like that? Um, so here we go. Um, he's a nerd. And he, he's playing himself, from my understanding, because in the special features, he doesn't really change much. <laughs> his his uh, inflection and everything like that is just dead on. I didn't hate this movie, though. As cheap as it is and as ridiculous as it is, as it, is it is kind of entertaining and goofy. So, um, he, he's picked on, he goes to work and it kind of reminds me of office killer, which I reviewed a couple weeks ago or last week with the, uh, kind of, uh, the mousy girl. And, uh, I can't think of her name right now, Carol Kane, where she's going to be picked on by everybody and finally snaps. It's kind of the same plot, killer nerd. Well, Toby is picked on at the office. Nobody likes him. There's one person that's nice to him, but he's picked on by a lot of the, like other coworkers, this ridiculous guy is completely over the top all the time, making inappropriate jokes. His mom is nagging him a lot, and there's these kind of punk bullies that are around. Everybody just treats him kind of like shit. Um, I don't think his mom treats him that bad, but what happens is one day he completely snaps. He goes and gets his hair done, and he tries to go out and have a good time, and uh, they bring him back. Some girls pick him up, and they're going to be nice to him and hang out, but then uh, they go back, and those they're, they're with friends with the punks. The punks beat the hell out of him, and he kind of snaps, and he decides to kill them all. And what happens is kind of like, you know, a, a semi-lame slasher, but what makes it fun is that Toby is so ridiculous and and, and like the one-liners and everything. His, his delivery is kind of great. They'd be like, I bet you're a real lady killer. He's like, yeah, I'm a real lady killer. Like, he doesn't mean it like that, but he's just like, it's just stuff like that. But it's just so cheesy and ridiculous and, um, and semi-enjoyable. I don't have really much to say about it. There's some gore gags in here and I don't hate it. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I can't really recommend this. I mean, it is enjoyable in it in what it is. It doesn't lie what it is. It's a really cheap, low-budget kind of horror movie about a nerd getting revenge. It's killer nerd. It's exactly as advertised. Once a week. Once a week? Yes, at least. That often, huh? Around the corner, eh, you little bastard? 
This is the new segment. Well, I guess the new season thing we're doing. It's going to be called Blind Spot. These are right. These are seasons. Even though I started in a weird time, like the season finale right. isn't mad. I don't know what's going on. But regardless, this thing's called uh, Blind Spot. And what it is, if if you guys haven't already figured out, we explained it a few times. It's um, we both picked twenty six movies that we're kind of uh, ashamed for not seeing, or figured we should have seen, or would like to see. Um, we started out with Jeremy's pick, so it goes back and forth. It's blind spot. We haven't seen these movies, and we probably should have, or we feel we need to. Um, the first one was Carrie. So Jeremy had never seen Brian De Palma's nineteen seventy six movie Carrie. Now, saying this in the very beginning, uh, Jeremy hates Stephen King, so that's why he never saw it. Yeah. And uh, he has kind of a, uh, a hate. He hates Stephen King. Yeah, it's not even a hate love relationship. I I just find him to be utter garbage, like actual gutter trash. I don't agree with him. Yeah. I actually like Stephen King. I grew up with Stephen King, like most good American people that like horror films and horror horror books and everything like that. Like if I could go back in time and kill one Stop person, <laughs> I'd make a pit stop on the way to kill someone else. <laughs> Regardless, uh, I figured that Jeremy would like Carrie, and he figured he'd like it too. This was based on Stephen King's first novel, this movie. And early Stephen King, you know, adaptations like Carrie and, um, what, Cujo and Dead Zone and The Shining, even though that was not very well respected when it initially came out, were done by a lot of really big directors that had a lot of weight to them. You know, we had, like, of course, Stanley Kubrick and, and Brian De Palma and even John Carpenter and David Cronenberg. So it, the Stephen King adaptations in the beginning were were, were really weird because it had, like, an, a lot of these people that make movies were, like, our tours. You know, they had their style influenced heavily in it. So I thought Jeremy might actually like Carrie because although it has the Stephen King, you know, isms in it, it was his first. It wasn't so played out um, for somebody that wouldn't like Stephen King. And it has a lot of Brian De Palma. So, uh, yeah, 
<laughs> you've seen Brian De Palma films before, right? You saw Phantom of Paradise? I've seen Phantom of Paradise, and that's it. I love Phantom of Paradise. That is so. a fantastic movie. It, it had been a long time since I watched Carrie, too. And Carrie mm-hmm. was a movie I always thought was well-made and liked it, but I didn't absolutely love it. So putting this in, uh, I, I understand how important Carrie is. I always have. And Sissy Spacek, the cast is amazing. So let's get to the cast here. Sissy mm-hmm. Spacek, Piper Laurie, um, A.B. Irving, John Travolta, Karen Allen, P.J. Souls, Sidney Lassiter. It's got a great cast in here. And uh, I don't want to be that guy, but I feel like the movie resonates as much as it did then as it does now, if not more. I think, well, you know, i never seen it before. I think that it was... A, it's definitely a timeless movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, when we were watching it, I didn't realize that it was made in 76. Well, 76. the Screen Factory Blu-ray looks exceptional. It does look They good. did a really good job yeah. with it. But and um, the, there's other things in it, too, that make it yeah. stand out from that well, time, I let, feel. Let me get the plot through. Mm-hmm. Carrie is essentially kind of a... Uh, she lives with her mother, who's played by Piper Laurie, and the mother, Piper Laurie, is a religious fanatic, and she's kind of the town, you know weirdo so uh carrie is kind of looked down upon by all the people in the town her mother is the girls make fun of her but there's something eerie about carrie she has telekinesis and she she starts to study and learn herself and uh she's actually kind of approached by some of the kids um, and one of which feels bad for picking on her and wants to set her up to give her one really nice night at prom and some of the bullies aren't going to have that and all hell breaks loose um, William Cat is also in this I forgot to mention him uh, this movie has like a shot like a dream at times there's like yeah. a nice little fog and everything like that like atmosphere um, the score the score is fantastic. That, that, that really sad score that comes in mm-hmm. in the beginning. And I don't think I've ever felt so bad as someone uh, for Carrie than anyone else in a movie. It's weird because I actually felt bad for all the characters, even the bully character. Really? Um, um, who was the main bully? Karen Allen. Karen she's Allen. A, she's a Palma regular. She gets slapped three times in this movie. In like ten guys. minutes. A teacher slaps her. Her boyfriend slaps her like twice. And I'm like... But I kind of feel bad. She's kind of in a poopy position. But she's also a miserable person. She she's a manipulator, a too. Yeah. So so let's get into the king-isms here. We yeah. have the religious fanaticism, of course, yes. with the mother. That's very mm-hmm. a big king-ism. We have the bullies. Um, and not just your everyday bullies that everybody's experienced, or been one, for, for that matter. Right. But horrible, violent bullies that go that next step, where I feel like Stephen King had to have been abused by some real sick bullies. They pop <coughs> up in all his movies and all his literature, I think, feel like a lot of them. And another King-ism, somebody with a special kind of power, which we have Firestarter, we have all sorts of things like that, The Dead Zone, and of course Carrie. So, I mean, like, it's almost like his movies are, like, like proto-X-Men movies or something. They are. I mean, his, I think his movies... Okay. You know, I've never read a Stephen King book. I've tried and I can't, but... I've um, read a few quite a bit you know I've, I've seen a handful of the movies and i think that carrie stands out because like when you bring up the bullies these aren't like i feel stephen king's 50s greaser bullies. bullies is what you imagine yeah. from like a lot of times it or stand by me yeah his bullies are like the good old boys like like the town like like the fucking guests can i say fucking on your yeah. channel okay i, <laughs> I guess well, let's go the uh, like like the gastons of the village like they're very popular and or they're the trailer trash or the um, trailer trash but but there's always like a sense of like elitism in them well there's where, a sense of elitism in here too but it, i feel like it's different and i think like like i said looking at I, i'm not gonna remember her name Karen Allen. Karen Allen. Look at, you know, like, she's 
getting kind of bullied herself. She's Man. in a terrible well, situation. And, and But I mean, it's like, these aren't like the, oh, I can't wait for the main guy to get back at them. Like, Because I, I kind of feel bad for some of the bullies. Nope. Didn't feel that way. Felt like they all had to go when I was happy to see it. I feel bad for Carrie 110%, and I feel bad for the situation of a lot of the innocent bystanders that right. happen in this movie. It, it's really like a horrible tragedy, and the way they film it at the end, if anybody mm -hmm. hasn't seen Carrie, there's going to be spoilers. The way it's in slow motion, the suspense and everything, and it's just everybody's misunderstanding the situation from the gym teacher who's like yes. uh, very sympathetic towards Carrie to mm -hmm. um, you know Amy Irving finally catches on, but it's too late, and... Um, when the bucket falls down, of course, the bucket of blood and everything like that, um, they try to, everybody's trying to save William Cat and, and everything like that. And uh, so many people actually, like, opened up to Carrie and are nice to her. But mm -hmm. it, it's just like a couple of these losers, like, uh, just can't get over it. But at the same time, they have no real sympathy. They don't understand how cruel they actually are. They don't. They and, don't. and there's another thing here, too. You know, with the exception of Karen Allen, John Travolta's just a moron throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, and PJ Souls, who is just a, a goonie or a toady, is what they would say in the Christmas story. I feel like the the guy who um, initially kind of like the Chris Penn type, the pig guy, yeah. like, him, I feel like he's not even really happy with the outcome of it. Like, when he sees the bucket and everything, I don't think, like, I, I'm almost like some of them aren't even happy with what they've done. No. I, I don't know if... Well, did, um... Is it BJ Souls? PJ. PJ. I don't know if she... Did she know what was going to happen? Yes, yes. They told her. Remember, they she told her when they were And she laughs yeah. hysterically. Yeah. She's the only one who laughs. But that plays into what Piper Laurie told, you know, Carrie about <coughs> the laughing, that they're mm. all going to laugh at you. And it, and it strictly goes into that. And that whole hallucination at the end, the way it's edited and filmed, there's always something mm. that De Palma really could bring to that. Like, his, his style over the Stephen King story makes it so much more interesting than it would be otherwise yeah. like the editing the music and there's so many strange like little i think there's even split screens at times when she just bam, and she starts closing doors oh and stuff. yeah like, they have like that, two that's panels. wonderful he uses that two mm -hmm. years before and like phantom of paradise which i actually really like too which is a completely wild movie like i think that his style really elevates this movie and i think that the acting especially from sissy spacek yeah. who i can't think of what her age was i think badlands before this and she was tremendous in that movie too but she feels so nuanced and aware of something thing and it seems like she's had so many more life experiences than someone of her age like that uh, like a younger actress or actor could really portray uh, that normally but it, her performance seems so dead on and, and it's just really sad i feel so bad for her and she looks so young and innocent too right and um, she she conveys emotion incredibly well and carrie for being as sheltered as she is like she didn't know what her period was or anything you know, when she gets asked out to the prom, she's like, I know there's ulterior motives. Like, like she's just a really complex character, and she's, she's more complex than anything I've seen from Stephen King. Ooh, yeah, I, I, this was his first story. His wife mm -hmm. actually dug it out of the garbage. He threw it away, and really? she, she went and dug it out. And after that, that, that's the story I've heard. I mean, I, I think it's a good story. This one, I actually haven't read the book, but I think that the movie is, is tremendous mm -hmm. and probably the one of the better movies that came out that year. And the high school dichotomy, I don't think it's really been done much better. Although it is about like high school students, it doesn't feel like a kid movie. 
Like, it doesn't feel like it's aimed towards children or anything like that. It doesn't feel... It feels more adult than a lot of those teenage horror movies. Oh, it does. I would say the only high school movie that I like more is Heather's. But I feel like Heather's probably couldn't exist without this movie. I think so, too. I think almost like... I know this is a very influential movie. I think. Oh, yeah. Even absolutely. the ending jump scare, of course, inspired other things. Yeah. Everybody knows that, obviously. And, and that's the thing. I had never seen Carrie. I never read Carrie. But I knew enough about Carrie through, like, cultural yeah. osmosis somehow but I kind of knew where certain things were going you know like like when we were when they were um, in the factory getting the the um, pig's blood the, the yeah. pig's blood I'm like why am I getting oh okay and I, I know what happens you know and yeah. they never even foreshadow until like Right, the actual scene where it happens, you know, it's split diopter shots like crazy. Yeah. yeah, and they'll jump back and forth. I I love that. Um, the when they're dancing yeah. and like the camera's just like twirling around. That's them. really kind of almost like a nauseating. Yeah, also great because but it's it also good. it looks great because all the colors and the mm -hmm. prom thing, the dialogue, the music, and that scene were, were great. The, there's the weird part where we're trying on the tuxedos and he just fast forwards it. He doesn't cut. It's just like a... Fast them. It's, it's a weird montage kind of deal. It's very weird, but it's and, very real. And those characters are kind of introduced right there. They might be in the background, mm -hmm. but those characters of William Cat's friends are kind of introduced yeah. right there. And they're, they play, they're in the background the rest of the movie, and I feel like they work throughout the rest of the movie. Oh, yeah. I like them, yeah. you know? And like their faces, like his face... Um, the short friend, his face when he sees the blood fall down, he's just so disgusted. And PJ Souls is laughing and nudges mm -hmm. him. It's also crazy that PJ Souls was in this and Halloween, like two of the biggest horror movies of the 70s, back to back almost, 76, 78. I, I, and Karen Allen is great in it. And she's had a really good career, you know, with Robocop. Maybe not a great career, but she's always stood out to me right. as a great actress in Robocop and Poltergeist 3. She's always been there. And I always thought she's really good in this. Oh, she's fantastic. She, like, I think everybody's had a teacher like her. Yeah. No, yeah. Karen Allen. I don't mean Karen Allen's the bad person. Oh, wait. Who am I thinking? You're thinking of the gym teacher. The gym teacher? Yeah. She's not in Robocop? No. Karen Allen, the bully, is in Robocop. You know, the whole time I thought that the no. gym teacher... You, you, can't, you can't be doing this anymore. Because you say Robocop and I was thinking the gym teacher. How could you so even who's the gym that? teacher? I'm not really familiar that much with her. Well, she should have been in more. Because I know she's, I she is her. in more, but I'm just not as familiar with her as an actress. She's probably in a bunch of stuff that's just not registering to me. But the gym teacher is really good. So I, I think that your viewers should know that like I can't tell... He has look face like. blindness, to be honest. Like, like it's not diagnosed, but like, one time Dave and I went to the grocery store and I walked up to a guy that I thought was Dave and had like a two minute conversation until I saw Dave like standing like five feet away and I'm like, oh, like I, I don't know, I can't, I he can't. can't. He confuses Dustin off and does not doesn't look like. That's a name thing. But regardless, <laughs> uh, I think it's a great movie and like the poster is so iconic, the original poster. It shows mm -hmm. Carrie smiling at the prom and then next to her she's drenched in blood. That's just, I don't know. This had a sequel, of course, Rage Carrie 2, which was <laughs> very of its time. I don't hate the movie, but I would never recommend it, if that makes any sense. And, and a TV remake and another remake. Can we talk about Peter Laurie? He's not in this. You're talking about Sidney Lassadick? No, no, not. Who's the mom? Oh, Piper Laurie. Piper Laurie. You called her Peter Laurie? <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> Piper Laurie, you know, Ruby and a bunch of other stuff. She's also the, the mom in freaking... Um, She's uh, Return of Oz, which yes. blows my mind. But she's really good, and obviously oh. a very, um, you know, kind of stereotypical character, but really done well. You see the psychology right in her, like an Ed Gein mother type, for sure. Right, and, and you know, she she becomes one of, I guess, you know, King's tropes, the religious mother, but, like, her, she's... 
man, I don't know what I want to say. Well, her she performance is great. Her performance and she has is some great. sympathy inside of her. She does have sympathy. Like when you find out like her whole character arc, you're like, oh, okay, I you hate get her, it. but you still can kind of understand. Right. And the small little details, you know, like the prayer room. Mm-hmm. It's it's messed up because you know they always hear the stories about abuse kids were being shoved in a closet, but right. she's shoved in a closet with like a Bible and a Jesus and obvious foreshadowing with the Jesus up there like right. this, and then at the end with her mother, like it's been embedded in her brain subconsciously for so long that image of you know mm-hmm. jesus crucified that you know when it comes time to push come the shove and her mother's gonna look the same that's a nice little detail and yeah. everything like that and the house is just rubble at the end is also really great when i had seen the jesus statue i'm like that is a weird it's looking a statue jesus. and then like you know later yeah. on the moon's like oh okay i, I kind of get it but um her, her character type while she is kind of like a you know a religious fundamentalist zealot or whatever it, it comes across more sincere than Steve, the other like crazy religious people in Stephen King's works I feel I don't know I think that it comes clear in um stuff like um The Mist too I think The Mist but she's not sympathetic she's not sympathetic she's a straight villain Disney she, she, she is and I, I feel that the characters that pop up in his later works are just more antagonistic for the sake of being antagonistic while her her mother is the antagonist in this movie there's multiple antagonists there are multiple but i think you know she's like the main thing i i I would say um she i understand her where like it isn't so much like author commentary about you know like the follies of religion versus in his other works like the mist or or um what's another really I can't think of any hand-fisted one. The, 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 they're just come across really hand-fisted, and I think you know he's putting him in there because hey, it worked one time. I don't know. I think that's just what Stephen King obsesses about, and I think most authors and and filmmakers are like that. I think that you'll see little tropes and and pieces yeah. of the same thing in every movie, but that just happens. Uh, he's done. He's so prolific that it happens more often, right. more often than well, not because he, you see so much of him. Is it um, Diary of the Dead where he has the guess and and the. It, his whole thing is just a religious thing. I think it is. I think yeah. he is actually the ta- the the um, preacher, yeah, or, yeah, the televangelist you know, on the radio or whatever. And it can't be televangelist, yeah. but you know what I mean. Um, also, Sidney Lassadick has a really good performance in here too. Yeah, and you feel like you've had oh, him as yeah. a teacher too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sidney Lassadick, one for the cuckoo's nest, alligator. When he's going through that whole big speech where he's like reading the poem. And uh, his whole thing is great too. And uh, <laughs> he's hamming it up the whole he's movie. Like, yeah, he's such a weirdo. He's so weird. And at the end, like they they have all these characters that you just see throughout the whole movie. Like the kids are a lot of the kids are in the background, and they're in the end at prom. And uh, like that, what happens to some of the people is just insane. Even though it isn't like as elaborate as they probably would make it these days, or right. something like a Wishmaster or like a Hellraiser three bloodbath. I mean, for seventy six, it's pretty crazy. Like, can we talk about the ending then? Or not? not I think the we ending, can spoil it. The, yeah, we can spoil the, the movie. Yeah. Is... We can, we're going to probably going to spoil a lot of these because yeah. they're so well known. Well, and you know, we had never seen them. And you we... have. I have seen this. You've well, well yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, some we've seen each other, but some we haven't seen either. But um, you know, so it's just like excited to talk about these because it's like. Everybody knows these movies, aside for Tarantula and Doctor X. There's a couple, um, but like, so I want to talk about them because I've never heard people necessarily talk about them. So we're just going to spoil all the movies we talk about. Not all of them, but some of them. Most of them. Most of them. All uh, of them. Um, so when she, <laughs> how cool is that scene? Like, you know, I, I I'm a dork. Like, I have like strange power fantasies of just like 
I just want to, like, annihilate everything. Like, I always said if I had a superpower, it would be to, like, heat up the earth to the point where everything on the planet melts to, like, a glass sphere. That's not a power. That's, That's a power. Okay, so, uh, like, the, the thing that I like about the <laughs> ending, too, is when she starts to hallucinate after the blood. Because after that, it's such a ridiculous, over-the-top thing to do. I can't mm -hmm. imagine anyone doing that to someone without being, right. like, executed on the spot for it. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, like, what happens is the layers come in. Like, everything around her just finally builds up. Like, you'll see the people in the audience, and she's hallucinating that they're all laughing at her, although only one is. And she hears the principal from earlier saying, Cassie. And then, like, the laughs and all the rude things are being layered over until right. they become, like, a cacophony of, like, insanity. And it's just, like, and then as she starts closing the doors and it's just perfect the way her eyes are and she's standing there straight and all rigid it's mm -hmm. just it's just super freaking iconic and well done on how like the ceiling starts caving in and they start the two idiots start fighting over the mic uh, right. <laughs> and everything just gets it gets bad it gets goes from bad to worse and it just keeps building and building and right building. and it, it's just like a really neat scene like like i said you know like i think everybody has those power fantasies at some point in their life and you know, just, like the way that she expresses it, like like as as the actress, like like just being very rigid, like when she walks, like she has yeah. like that like Scarlet Witch thing going on where her fingers are spread, but she doesn't move her hands or anything. She just kind of like literally glides out the door and down the road, and, and she just left carnage behind her. I, I even feel like someone like uh, I can't think of her, Zoe Tamborellis, I think is her name from Miss Forty Five. Mm -hmm. I feel like. Her performance, the mute as the mute, kind of at the end is kind of resonates Carrie, especially at yeah. the very end of Miss Forty Five when she gives mm -hmm. that look when she's betrayed. Like to, right. I don't want to spoil that, but like like she did with Carrie with her mother, like she like looks up, like the shot. Yeah, I don't know. Sissy Spacek is really good at playing kind of like sweet and innocent mm -hmm. and and stuff like that. There was one thing that was completely out of left field for me, and it's right after the gym when Don, John Travolta and RoboCop Girl. Go to hit her with the I car. I think that's a little bit um, anticlimactic. It's anticlimactic. And the car's fed up. And because and when it happened, I was like, were they really going to hit her with a car? Yes. They but, just witnessed her kill see, everyone. Like, did they... Because they got out. And so I don't know... They stood and they were showing them watch the in the window. Oh, yeah. There was a shot true. of them watching and they yeah. were like... And I love how John Travolta, like, at the, he's such a idiot like this dude's never gonna graduate from high school he's gonna no. be a loser his whole life and like when he's under the bleachers like well that carry sure looks good like he doesn't even it's like he's not even registering what he's doing right no. and she's like shut up like he's a, <laughs> he's such an idiot but uh he, he's actually pretty good at it too oh yeah this is what maybe is it a year or two before devil's reign or after mm -hmm. devil's reign so he's just getting his start too um, so we're going to read from the books. I know we're just going to bring it back up. You know, these aren't, this isn't hammer time, but we still have to read these books. <laughs> now, now all the movies aren't going to be in this book because some of them are newer. And next week, before I forget it, is Magic with Anthony Hopkins. Not as well known as Carrie, but it's something that I haven't seen that I've always wanted to. So this is um, Creature Features out of five stars. Uh, Carrie, 1976, four and a half. So producer, director, Brian De Palma's treatment of Stephen King's first novel, a lurid tale of modern gothic horror, has two sequences that'll make you leap from your seat. It's a psychological study of a mousy teenager, Sissy Spazik, who uses her telekinetic power to wreak havoc, uh, wreak vengeance after a macabre joke is played on her at high school prom. Tension between Spacek and mother Piper Laurie, a religious fanatic, is riveting, and her crucifixion scene is unforgettable. A powerful horror film of the 70s. John Travolta, Nancy Allen, Amy Irving, William Catt. I also really like William Catt in here. He's like got such an easygoing, nice guy kind of thing that feels like legitimate. Like, is he the boyfriend? Like, yeah, like a popular kid that isn't yeah. mean-spirited. I felt 
bad for him. You yeah. know, and the, I feel you know. bad for most of them. Most of the people don't deserve to die. I once told somebody oh, yeah. that Carrie, if a lot of those people didn't deserve to die, but Carrie deserved to revenge. Like, they didn't yeah. deserve to die, but she deserved to revenge oh, at the absolutely. same time. Okay. You know, and, you know, I, I didn't know how this movie was going to play out, but I, I just assumed that, like, it was going to be a, you know, the, I went out with you on a bet, and now I've fallen in love for you. Like a, a romantic comedy movie? Yeah, like, like she's all movie. mad, or, you know. Yeah, yeah. How, how'd you, were your expectations met? My expectations were exceeded. Okay. Um... We'll, we'll, we'll talk about okay. after I do the review because I mean that's how we do this, right? Yep. We give a yep. rating yep. after. Yeah. Okay. okay. So that's four so, out of four stars. Out of four stars, he gives it three black stars and one white three star. And three and a half. Nineteen seventy-six, ninety-seven minutes. Spacek shines in her first Oscar-nominated role as Carrie, the scapegoat of Bates High, tormented by her peers and her religious fanatic mom Laurie who discovers her formidable telekinetic abilities just as some of her fellow students plot to alter her destiny forever at the senior prom. This first and best screen version of a Stephen King bestseller is a treat for anyone who hated high school. It's got an excellent cast, flashy direction, and a powerful final joke that still grabs you despite years of in- imitation. So, okay, so it's Bates High, isn't it? Because we're talking about how it's the definitely Palmer a, a, is like super influenced by um, Hitchcock. By Hitchcock. Yeah. And also, yeah. um, I feel like um, Piper Laurie is kind of an Ed Gein type mother character. Oh, yeah. Or Norma Bates, you know, like mm-hmm. type character. Women are bad type deal. And she blames herself for all the things that have happened to her. So she projects the misfortunes of herself on other women and blames the woman, blames herself, right. you know, blames sex, blames sin, you know, all mixed in some nasty fucking psychology so so here's the thing that i wonder you know those things are present is it was it beats high in the book like is stephen king also pulling from i'm sure it probably is you know i mean stephen king probably and anybody's inspired by hitchcock you know they say de palma some people think he's he kind of took from argento too but argento took from hitchcock too. everybody takes from yeah hitchcock. i mean he's he's, he's hitchcock one of the right? masters right yeah, so, yeah so uh i'm gonna be i'm coming in high and uh i watch so many movies you guys got to mm-hmm. remember that and there's so many movies that i love and I, I i'm a person that loves movies so i i i rate high sometimes and sometimes i like dustin says dustin is such this person dustin mills he says i love hard and i hate hard and sometimes i get like that with movies Rewatching this was a better experience than I remembered. It was very touching to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to give it a perfect 10 out of 10. I'd give it a 10 out of 10, too. Because I think it greatly exceeded my expectation. It was a beautiful movie to watch. Um, it's short. It's yeah. not like... And I remember it being slow, but man, it did not play slow. Yeah, you, you said it was going to be slow when we started. It's slow to, and it's slow to a 10-year-old. I could see it being slow <laughs> to a 10-year-old. Oh, you know, even... Despite it opening with tits, um, it's, it really, it's really creepy it, scene. Though. It, it keeps going, and it, it doesn't like bullshit around. You know, like there isn't just long, unnecessary scenes. Like it's a very substantial film. Every scene has a yeah. purpose. There isn't any net. Um, it the music is, I think, my favorite part of the film. Actually, aside for like the you know the whole power fantasy, like I'm just gonna nuke the world thing. But you know, not every movie has that. Um, but no, the music is fantastic. Like, it gave me chills sometimes. Yeah, me too, me too. And a lot of it sounded familiar, and I don't know if, um, if I 
Nuva score to carry beforehand because that's always or it's a been reused or rehashed or ripped off. Yeah, or or if it was actually pre-existing music because, uh, like, it's almost like I recognize the melodies yeah. in the score. And you know, I I don't know. I listen to a lot of crappy music. So. But this movie, I mean, it's it's one of the first of its kind. Like yeah. it feels so much like its kind. There's so many movies that have like that high school horror mentality that just don't do it as well. Like, and this feels right. like this. It feels teen angsty and lame. Well, this one feels really heartfelt and tragic. I would say. You know, Heather's is a fantastic movie. Heather's is one great of my too. favorites. Heather's is a dark comedy. I would say more than this. This is yeah. more of a tragedy. This is a tragedy, and you know, I wasn't scared of it. Like I, Heather's owes a lot to Massacre at Central High too. Right, I've seen that movie. Um, do I like this more than Heather's? I don't know. I I think that there's something about Heather's. Um, I love my dead gay son. Yeah, the, the, the characters are are <laughs> caricatures in the Heather's, and also I think um, that. What, who's the guy in Heather's? Christian. Christian Slater's. A... Yeah, I, I think that for, like, an actual biological snake to, like, be trained to, like, stand upright best and, Best snake like, performance talk, of all time. Best snake performance ever. And, and the snake to imitate Jack Nicholson so well. Is right. Just a... I mean, <laughs> We're not you know, the about years of dedication. Stop. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, then he comes back and does Cobra. Um, Jack, what are you talking about? Christian Slater. He's not in Cobra. He's in Cobra. Isn't that movie called Cobra? Oh, the gay porn? Oh, <laughs> that one? I don't remember what that's called. Cobra something. I don't remember it. Cobra Con or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's about like a porn site or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't really remember that movie. Yeah, so enough about Heather's, even okay. though that's the movie we should But I don't watched. know. Like I said, did it live up to, it lived up to expectations? Yes. It far exceeded expectations. I kind of want to read the book, but I cannot stomach Stephen King, it's so I'm not first. going to do that. I think you're being harsh on Stephen King. I have never been harsh on anyone. Stop it! I am like you just said. The most... world deserved to die. And no, you could crystallize the planet exactly. Not preserved hard on anyone, in beauty <laughs> for eternity, like a snow globe for an alien to look yes. upon all the beauty. Yes. Yeah, so it'd just be like a smooth sphere, like all the mountains and sounds like Thanos' mentality or something. Like I that. mean, the thing is, I can only use this power once, so I okay. got to make a fucking count, guys. But uh, <laughs> regardless, I think it's a great movie. Next week is magic. Uh, I, I was happy rewatching this one. I've never seen Magic. I know Anthony Hopkins is going to be great in it, but I don't know if it's going to. It's not going to be as strong as Carrie. I don't think it's not as popular or anything like that. This but that's is a, a newer movie, right? No, this no? is an older one from the seventies too. From the seventies. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen it. I don't. I don't think, I don't think most it. people have seen this yeah. one. I mean, people have seen it, but it's one that's been on my radar for years. I don't know. I think it carries great. I don't know if I could say much more about it, to be honest. Um, and there is some more De Palma movies on this uh, blind spot that I put right. on there. I put Dress to Kill. Have <laughs> never mm-hmm. seen Dress to Kill? I know that's horrible. There's some going to be some surprises in this for you guys that I haven't seen that you guys are going to laugh in my face for. Like some movies that I actually haven't seen in this is, is embarrassing. I predict that I pick the better movies. Because I have seen less movies. So there's better movies to choose so from. So it's, it's like, oh, yeah, there's a great movie. Yeah, I can't wait for Tarantula. And, and you know, I was like, why he's over here like, well, I've never seen Slaughter, Pulse, and Robert no. Dolls, Volume 6. So no, I'm putting, like, I haven't seen Tenet and Repulsion <laughs> and M and stuff like that. That's going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of yeah. great classics. So uh, Carrie, obviously a, a, an exceptional movie. We didn't mm-hmm. expect any less. I didn't. And I was, you know, I was a little bit surprised. I was like, yeah, I, mean, I want to give this the perfect rating. I was surprised I went up that high because I was thinking like 8, 9. But right. No, wonderful. Love I, it. I was nervous for Stephen King. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, I always want to see this. I always think I'd like it, but it, you know, it always You're not had... even a fan of the big ones like Christine, are you? No, Christine's... You don't like Carpenter much either, which I is don't like blasting. Carpenter. I, you know, I don't like In the Mouth of Badness because it's essentially just a Stephen King handjob. It's more Lovecraft than King. No, but the guy is actually Stephen King. You can't even 
you telling me Sutter Kane is what <laughs> for Stephen King? It's not Lovecraft. I mean, it's a Lovecraftian horror, but, but it's with it's, it's, it's inspired King. by King and Lovecraft. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, I'm good on saying everything I have to say about this one. Um, I'll see you guys later. Are you good? Uh, I guess. It's the night of the senior prom. The Bates High School gym is alive with excitement. Everybody is there. Even Carrie White, the girl no one likes. We're all sorry about this incident, Cassie. It's Carrie! And everyone makes fun of her. The girl who lives in that creepy house with her crazy mother. Help the silly woman see the sin of her days and ways. Show her that if she had remained sinless, the curse of blood would never have come on her. The girl with the strange power. If I concentrate hard enough, I can move things. But tonight, no one will laugh at Carrie. If you don't have a date to the prom next Friday, would you like to go with me? She's with the best-looking boy in the senior class. He's trying to trick me again. She'll be voted queen of the prom. You know, I can make sure that you don't hurt Carrie White anymore. For Carrie, it will be a dream come true. For everyone else, it will be a nightmare. <coughs> Carrie. <coughs> a new film by Brian De Palma. Based on the chilling bestseller. Starring Sissy Spacek, Piper Laurie, and introducing John Travolta in his first motion picture role. If you have a taste for terror, you have a date with Carrie. Okay, guys, uh, my printer needs ink, so I will be reading off my phone. So, questions. We have Chris Rivers. Um, I got a question for your Q&A segment. If you could remake any less-known public domain horror film, what would it be? Thanks, man. Keep up the good work. Um, thank you. Um, I was looking at some public domain movies, and I would never, ever in my right mind remake Night of the Living Dead because I love George Romero, and the movie's perfect, so why? But um, I'm thinking, um, I really like Bucket of Blood, but I think that could use an updating. I know there has been a couple. Um, White Zombie, uh, I think that would be kind of interesting. I Drink Your Blood, although exploitation movies, like I said, can't really translate today. So I think you could change that up. Maybe make something like I Drink Your Blood. I think those are public domain. So one of those, I guess, we'll go with. Nick Mua, you often hear of great actors going off the deep end and derailing their own careers. Is there any actor whose sad story really affected you? For me, it's Nick Stahl. Such potential. Just look at a man without a face. The thin red line. Now it appears Mr. Stahl is forced to do bargain bin Sherlock. Um, I wish that Tom Sizemore had got his career back on track better. I think that, um, when you look at his performances in like Saving Private Ryan or True Romance or Natural Born Killers, they're really good. They're really strong. And I think that he, and he, he, he could have been, you know, much bigger than what he turned out to be. Um, have you seen the latest Terminator film? If so, what do you think? Opinions differ with some calling it a masterpiece while others say this film is everything that's wrong with today's film industry. Somebody had told me one thing about the movie, how it opens. And I immediately was like, no. I can't get behind that, so I avoided it. Um, why are so many horror films overflowing with jump scares? Is this really today's audience want? Is this what today's audience want, or is it just some smarmy studio exec think it's what people want? Which horror film you saw recently is most guilty of overusing a jump scare? 
Ooh, that's a tough call. Those, those kind of questions are very hard for me to remember anything like that. But um, I don't know. Sometimes a well-placed jump scare is good, but if you overdo it, it gets stupid. I think overused jump scares are bad or, or pointless jump scares. But I feel like the jump scare was mostly used in stuff like um, probably from like 10 years ago or like 15 years ago, jump scare was galore. You know what I mean? So any of those kind of time frames in movies where there's just constant jump scares, they don't relax on rely on much like suspense or building anything. It's just a quick jump scare or something like that but if you do a jump scare after building tension and suspense it can work i mean it just depends on the movie it's all circumstantial for me um then we have some answers i ask you guys what the worst horror film of 1991 was so here we go <laughs> nick mua the worst horror film in 1991 uh, wait, uh, the worst horror film year of our Lord 1991 is without a doubt The Omen 4, The Awakening, the franchise low point for sure. If this wasn't just flogging the pervertible dead horse, they were raping the hell out of this that horse, horse corpse. It's unimaginative, predictable, boring, a waste of great acting talent such as Don Davis, um, Michael Lerner, and Hurd. Mr. Wicker, Freddy's Dead, Howling 6, Omen 3 are three films I can't think are the worst of 91. Eric Townsley, most hated 1991 movies, Howling 6, The Freaks, never liked any of the other sequels either. Tony um, Plumenbold, um, The Arrival from David Schumer. I think this is the guy who did Puppet Master, right? Uh, Jason Ord, I love Meet the Applegates. He's basically talking about how much he loves Meet the Applegates. I think he misread the question. I love Meet the Applegates. Uh, Craig Brockton, Dolly Darius, boring as fucks. John Soldaway. People under the stairs. And this caused a controversy. He says, what a waste of an awesome idea. Wes could have made this terrifying, but it ended with a kid's movie with a message. Uh, a lot of people were getting upset. I know that Jason Lloyd posted what, a lot of people, JP, Jason Lloyd, they were all upset about it. Sam Kelly Mills, John Soloway, I remember that bad reviews from time, but when I finally saw it, I loved it. Tense and surprisingly relatable, an analogy um, for politics, but the abuse scenes were a bit too much. John Soloway just looked up a list. So he basically kind of corrects himself in here. And he says, uh, I just looked up a list from horror movies from 91. He says, they squeezed two Puppet Master sequels that year and Child of Light and Darkness. Those are pretty bad too. Um, Rory Vargas Schmutt, uh, or is it Shut? John Selway may be an unpopular opinion, but I agree. And he's, and uh, John Selway, I had no idea how unpopular opinion it was. He says his favorites were body parts and sometimes they come back. Um, Gary Miller also agrees that he doesn't like, uh, people under the stairs. So it's, that's a very controversial movie, huh? And then we have Watson. Um, it's been years, but I remember hating sorority babes in the dance, a thon of death. Uh, I can't imagine watching it with fresh eyes would help. I can't imagine watching it with fresh eyes would help. Zach Puccinelli, class of Newcomb high two, James Higgins, nine, six, seven, evil two. Um, and Nathan Bailey seconds that. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, Zach says class of Newcomb high is top 10 worst of all time. Um, moods comments. He says, obviously you have not seen that many gutter films from 91 science craze, beauty queen, butcher, zombie, 90 brain twisters. Newcomb high two is a masterpiece to these films. And, uh, Zach comments, I don't deliberately watch bad movies, so I don't doubt you. Uh, Matthew Canner, Freddy's dead was pretty brutal. Sam Kelly Mills, Matthew. I love the series, but it was an odd conclusion for sure. Carly Sonnefeld, so far hauling six, but uh, I'm sure it gets much worse from here. Sam Kelly Mills, I had to look at the list to see what came out. I was 12. I didn't see all the horror films, but the one film that stood out as laughable was The Rapture. It almost mocking the subject matter, but I, sub, sub, um, but I suspect it was totally trying to be serious. Derek Bourgeois, have, has uh, no one seen Masterpiece Zombie 90 or Horror of the Humongous Hungry Hungin? These, laughing my ass off, these answers, man. Joe Whittle, Freddy's Dead is one of the worst uh, series finales of all time. Jamal Parter, I'd definitely say that one then. Brian Sattler, Omen 4, Alex Powers, I remember not caring for Sometimes They Come Back. I always like that one. 
Shashin Barbarian. I think the Onborn was boring. Didn't really hate it, but it was probably my least favorite from 91. Moods. Okay, I'm starting to think people don't watch Trash We Watch, Dave. By all these choices, i got to go with Zombie 90 or Science Crazed or Beauty Queen Butcher. Those three uh, make Wicked World look like a masterpiece. Peter McCain, I second Zombie 90. Matthew Canner, I forgot Science Crazed was 91. Uh, Tam Marie, Puppet Master 3. Jason Lindbergh, Freddy's Dead, definitely. Peter England, Freddy's Dead, Salt and Cinema, even though 3D was horrible. Derek Peck, Dolly Dearest, Bobby Jose. I was going to say The Gate 2, even though it's one of my favorite movies, too. It's 1990, though. It was good, but wish they could have been more inventive and used more of the small minions with maybe a tad more gore splatter. An inventive supernatural death probably would have made a great leap to the top 10 charts with the great already demon effects they had used. Nine, nine, 1991, though. Jamie Dunn, I have to go with People Under the Stairs for the awful ending, which, to me, undid a tense atmospheric film, and... I tie it with the sec again for the ending. P.S. I've never watched Freddy's Dead, so I can't comment. The sec, really? And people under the stairs? I feel I, I, you guys. I'm, I wish I was watching the movies you guys were watching all the time. Okay, we have uh, Mary Mungle and Minge. This is an information segment. She basically says, "When the wind blows, is great." It was originally released as a graphic novel by author Raymond Briggs, who had. Also written Fungus, The Boogeyman, and The Snowman, which was also released as an animated movie and is often on TV over Christmas period in the UK. And I think actually the same director did The Snowman as um, When the Wind Blows, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, uh, so our question of the week is, where is your favorite place to pick up physical media, online or in person? So yeah, I guess we're going to hop into the update. Okay, let's hop into this update. We have a, a Scream Factory that was going out of print, so I grabbed it. Supernova, James Spader, Angela Bissett. Heard is not very good. Yep, it's directed by like 10 people. I think Stuart, uh, Walter Hill had part of this. I'm not sure. This one was always troubled from the start, so I, I don't think I've ever seen it, actually. That is Supernova. Then we have a double feature from Scream here, The Beast of Hollow Mountain and The Neanderthal Man. So I like these double features. This is one I didn't have. So, yeah, cool. And then we have the Larry Fessenden Collection. Finally picked this up. Took a while. Wanted to grab this because uh, No Telling is 1991, and I want to watch that one for 91. Never seen it. In fact, the only one on this back I've seen is The Last Winter, so pretty cool. Then we have My Arrow Order came in uh, from the UK. We have Hard to Be a God. I think this is the same director as uh, Rasputin, The Last Days of Rasputin, which is Agony, which is a crazy movie. And... Um, or is it the same guy who did check check off my car? Both both movies are pretty crazy. So wanted to check this one out after I saw the trailer. Then we have Demon Lover. Didn't know much about this one. Just sounded interesting. Looked interesting. Picked up the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 from them. I heard it's a really nice release. I have the Scream Factory, but for the price, I couldn't pass it up. I think it has some shorts on there that the other edition does not have. So, yeah. Cool stuff. Great sequel. Very fun. Then we have Before We Vanish. A couple of these I, I didn't know much about, but I used some of my arrow points, so I got so so much cheap stuff. The Quiet Earth. I've always wanted to see this one. I heard good things about it. Then we have Branded to Kill. This one I hear good things about as well. So. Or I have. 
Ah, one I saw on TV as a kid. The Incredible Shrinking Man. I, I remember watching this as a kid and really liking it on television. I, it's kind of stuck in my head. Couldn't really forget it. Good stuff. Very fun. Very 50s sci-fi. And then Defcon 4, which uh, I watched for 85. I kind of enjoyed this one. New World Picture movie. Not great, but not bad at all, if you ask me. So I guess we're going to hop back to the video, guys. All right, guys. I wanted to give a Patreon shout-out to a Ricky Riley. Thank you very much. Uh, and let me know what you, what you want me to cover for next month and everything. But uh, as always, you guys have a good one. Hey.